You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. When I taste your goodness, I shall not want. So to ask a question that flies completely an opposite of that, what is your indulgent craving? Right, what is that one thing that as you even start thinking about now that your, your mouth starts to water, that you just can't get enough of? Is it chocolate? Yes. For some of us, it is cho- like dark chocolate, right? Yep. Uh, I can't stand dark chocolate unless it's the only thing that's there, and then I'll eat Stacey's dark chocolate. Um, or is it maybe ice cream, like that one place that has that great ice cream uh, just, that you just can't get enough of? For me, my indulgent craving uh, goes back to when I was living in Michigan. I could take a train, I could take an Amtrak train from, from St. Joe, Michigan into Chicago uh, first thing in the morning. Uh, it was the last stop before Chicago, so I could take just an express train in for, into Chicago, I could walk around all day, and then I could take the train out that night. But there was one place that I always had to stop when I was in Chicago, and it was for lunch, and it was Giordano's. How many of you had Giordano's pizza? Yeah, it is the best pizza in the world. Sorry, anyone else. Uh, it is fantastic. The, the deep dish pepperoni pizza, like I'm starting to mouth water right now. Like that is my indulgent craving. I could eat that all day, every day. But there's another indulgent craving of mine that I didn't realize was an indulgent craving until I did a 30-day fast from sugar, but I apparently crave sugar. I think most of us crave sugar, uh, but I, my wife and I, a few times we've done this the, uh, uh, a sugar fast, and so we've done the whole 30, uh, or a couple weeks ago we tried the clean food crush and we lasted four days and then quit, uh, but But when we go through that sugar fast, we realize that our bodies were addicted to sugar because about three days in, I turn into an absolute mess. I've got absolutely no energy. I've got a headache all day, and I'm just angry. I'm just grumpy. I I really, I'm super fun to be around, let me tell you. Um, I have to like plan that so that I know I'm not doing anything really like big that week because I know my brain's just not going to function at peak performance during that week. What's interesting is as I get out of that week, as I get to day five, six, seven, eight, all of a sudden now my body is like, ooh, this is nice. Like I have more energy. I feel stronger. I feel healthier. I, I say to myself, wow, I didn't know I could feel this good. I should eat like this all the time. And then I remember that I really like sugar. And so then I eat some more sugar. But my body, when it's freed from those cravings, my body's like, it's go time. Well, we, can, we can do anything. Well, maybe for you, your indulgent craving isn't food. Right? Uh, Vicar Rathke talked about those rocks that we put in the jar last week. And, and, and because of his sermon, I had to go home and I had to delete one of the games off of my phone. Because I thought, you know what, this will be a, just a fun game to waste a little bit of time. But then I realized that it's a game that I can't really pause in the middle of it. Uh, and so when kids ask me a question or when Stacey asked me to do something, I'm like, just a minute. And, and then it becomes like five or ten minutes. Um, and so I was like, no, i got to get rid of it. 
right? So I loved that time. I, I just had to get rid of it. Or maybe it's social media. Some of us use social media to connect with people, like that's what it was intended for, but I love social media so that I can know all the information, right? I love Twitter so that I can be the first person to know uh, when that happened, right? When that coach was fired or when that coach was hired. I want to be the first person to know so that I can tell other people because then I seem more important because I knew it first, right? And so, so maybe it's that craving of knowledge, Right? We've got a, a word for, for that or an acronym for that, like FOMO, right? fear of missing out. Right? A lot of uh, our, our youth today do things not because they want to do things, but because if they don't do it, they might miss something. And that's not just a youth thing, that's all of us, but they just gave it a word recently. Right? But fear of missing out. So maybe it's, not, maybe it's not social media where you get your information, but maybe you still love that information. Right? Sometimes the church prayer requests uh, page can become the place of gossip. I got to know what, why everybody needs prayer. And then I can have that information and I can share it with others. And I'm not saying that's all of us, but sometimes that can become that temptation is I want the information so I can feel important. Or maybe just that craving is money, right? Because with the money, I can buy the things. And if I can have the things, then I can be happy, right? So if, I think for a lot of us, the goal is to be content, but if we're craving consumables, then the only way to be content is with a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. But God would have us to live a different way. Paul would have us to live a different way. As he's talking to Timothy and he, he speaks to us today, he tells us that, that, we should be, that we should be craving, that we should be seeking a life of contentment, not consumables. He says it in 1 Timothy chapter 6 where he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of this world. Right? Paul says that there is great gain in godliness with contentment. There is great gain in being content. That's what, it, that, that's what godliness looks like, is being content with what God has given us. I see this a lot when I talk to people as they prepare to go on mission trips. Because a lot of people, as I talk to them, as they prepare to go on mission trips, they have a goal in mind as to what they want to accomplish on that mission trip. And a lot of times that goal is to make those people's lives better. And then while doing that, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. And so I'm going to build something for them, or I'm going to teach them something, or I'm going to bring them money or stuff, maybe a bed or mosquito nets or whatever. I'm going to make their lives better. And so by making their lives better, then I have an in to tell them about Jesus. But it's interesting, when, when they come home and I ask them, how was your trip, how was the mission trip, almost without fail, the response is, I think I got more out of it than they did, right? And some of you are nodding that you've been in that situation as well, right? Because we go somewhere, is that someone to, to, to think that we're going to help them by bringing them stuff or bringing them knowledge, but what we see is they're content with what they have. And their faith is incredible. Like, a lot of people, they go to church on, uh, on mission trips, and they're like, they were there for three hours, and they loved it. If I get to like an hour one here, people start to get itchy, right? But there's contentment because they know, and I think we know it. It's just harder to live it with all this stuff, but they know that everything that they have is a gift from God. That's what we read about 
That's what we confess every week in the Apostles' Creed. Right? The Apostles' Creed says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. That's the first article. That talks about God the Creator, the Father, the Creator. And, and then Luther, Martin Luther gives us an explanation. What does it mean to believe in a Creator God? Well, Luther says, I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that He has given me my body and my soul my eyes, ears, and all my members. He's given my reason and all my senses, and He still takes care of them. And He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, wife and children, house, uh, house and home, wife and children, land animals, and all that I have. And He daily and richly provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. And he defends me against all danger. He guards me and protects me from all evil. And all this He does out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. So, so, uh, Luther writes this explanation. He says, who is this creator God? Well, let's go back a little bit. He is a God who has created me. He's a God who has created you, your bodies, your souls, all the parts of your bodies. He has also given you everything that you need to sustain your life, to support this body and life. And not only does he sustain it for you, he also defends you against all evil. And he doesn't do it because you deserve it. Because I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. There, there is no merit or worthiness in me. All he does, he does out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy. So then Luther, as he ends his explanation, he says, well, how should we respond to such a loving, caring, giving God? He says, for all this, it is my duty to thank and praise, serve, and obey him. Right? God is a giver, and he gives us everything he has, but he also knows that the more we get the more we might want to put our trust in the consumables. And so he knows that, Paul knows that, Paul wants to tell Timothy that, and Paul wants to tell us that today. And so what does Paul warn us against? Well, in 1 Timothy 6.10, he says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Now, I want to clarify this, because there are times where we take this verse and we misquote it, and we just say money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not what it says. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So there are other roots of evil, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And so we look at that and we're like, oh, I, I might love money. Should I just get rid of everything I have, sell everything I have, and give it to the poor? Maybe. There's a, there's a story of a rich young man who comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you should follow the law and the prophets. You should, uh, you should do the Ten Commandments. You should love God and love your neighbor. And the the guy gets excited. He's like, great, I've done all those things. So Jesus then follows up and he says, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. And does the young man say, great, let's do it. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. It wasn't the fact that he had great possessions that was the, the big deal. The, the fact, the, the, the the trouble was, that's where his love was. That's where his trust was. Jesus earlier, when he was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the, the greatest sermon ever written, he says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And just in case you aren't paying attention, Jesus like really dials in and says, you cannot serve both God and money. Again, to clarify, he does not say you cannot have money. He says you cannot serve both God and money. And why, 
Why does Jesus want to make this point? I, I said this before, but Jesus talks about money more than anything else other than the kingdom of heaven. So in the Gospels, if you rank all the things that he talks about, kingdom of heaven is number one, money is number two. Why does he talk about money so much? It's because it's very easy for us, it's very easy for me to put my trust in money, to put my trust in consumables. Earlier when I read about the root, uh, that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, I didn't finish the verse. Here's what it says, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, it is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. What are you craving? Are you craving contentment? Or are you craving consumables that will never be enough, that we just want more and more and more of? Well, if you desire to seek contentment, then the question is, what does that look like? How do I live a life of contentment? Well, let's go back to the creed. Right? It is to truly believe that you have a creator God who made you. Right? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And, and what do I believe about this God? I believe that this God made me. He made me and he made all creatures and he still takes care of them. Right? He didn't just populate the earth and run away. He didn't just set things up to, to hopefully work their way through evolution to get to where we are now. He created you, he loves you, and he still takes care of you. Not only did He create you, but He also gives you everything that you need to support your daily body and your life. And He guards you against all evil. And He does it because He loves you. And He cares for you because you are His children. And so then what does it look like to live a life of contentment? It means to finish out the explanation. For all this, it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey Him. So this week, I want you to look at these four words, thank, praise, serve, obey, and I want you to pick one to really focus in on doing one of those to your creator God. Thank, praise, serve, and obey. Maybe it's taking time to write a thank you note. It might sound really weird, but take time to write a thank you note to God for all that he has given you. Or, or spending extra time in prayer, kind of like you would do at Thanksgiving to go around and, and say, here's what I'm thankful for today, but, but to spend extra time in prayer and to use the explanation to the first article of the creed as a guide of all the things that God has given you. So maybe you're going to thank Him this week, or maybe you want to praise Him. Right? It's, it's easy to come into worship and sometimes just check, check things off the box, um, to check off the list, uh, but but as we see a good God who loves us, as, we, as He welcomes us into His house, what does it mean to, to continue to praise Him, to sing these songs throughout the week, to, to, to come to Him, right, as He gives us His body and blood and to, to receive that in, in praise of, of the good gifts that He gives to us? Or maybe, maybe you want to serve Him this week, and what, uh, one of the main ways that we serve God is by serving our neighbor. Uh, the, the churchy alliteration for that would be your, with your time, talents, or treasures, Right? Maybe you can spend some time with someone who just needs someone to sit and listen to them. Or spend some time with someone who, who needs that, that connection. Or maybe God's given you some gifts, some talents that you can use for others who can't do something for themselves. Or maybe you can use that gift to teach them how to do things or, or to live in a certain way. Right? And you can use your talents to take care of those around you. Or maybe it is with your treasure. Maybe God has blessed you with great gifts, with great treasures. 
Uh, and you can use that to take care of the needs of those around you, whether that's through giving of tithes and offerings or supporting other nonprofits here in the area. You know, I, was, I, I saw something pop up this week about, um, you know, sometimes we like to pay it forward or pay it backwards in the, uh, in the uh, like, Starbucks line or something like that. Uh, but, but really, everybody there probably can pay for it because that's why they're there. They're not assuming that, that, that you can pay for it. But what if, what if you use that $5 or $10 um, to pay off an overdue lunch account for a kid that, that, whose family can't afford it, whether that's here or at a public school or at Bergen or, or somewhere, right? What if, what if you could use those treasures to take care of the needs of others and serve God in that way? Or what about obeying, right? Maybe the story of the, the young ruler, the young man who comes to Jesus and says, look at all that I've done, and Jesus says, well, then go and sell everything and give it to the poor, and he walks away sorrowful. Now, maybe that doesn't mean going and selling everything that you have and giving it to the poor, but maybe it means deleting a game off your phone. Or maybe it means just taking something that is, that is, is taking over in your life and getting rid of it. What is it that you crave? Is it contentment or is it consumables? And so as you seek to crave contentment, may you thank, praise, serve, and obey Him, right? God is a good God who created you and all creatures. He loves you. He still takes care of you. He's given you everything that you need to support this body and this life. He guards and defends you from all evil, and all of it He does, not because you or I deserve it, but because He loves you. And so for all this, it is my duty to thank and praise, serve, and obey Him. And as Luther would finish a lot of his statements this is most certainly true. Amen? Amen.